0: Let
1: me, turn that off, so it's uh, not so loud. Can you hear me okay?
0: Hello. Hello.
2: Oh,
1: okay. There you are.
2: Sorry, I was, I was, in, I was, um, I was in my command position. I was trying to, I was wheeling around the room, like Admiral Akbar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: All I know from him is it's a trap. So that that's as far as I know about Akbar anymore. Ah, uh, ready, Mysterioso here uh recording recording josh is there right yes okay you he can hear me. Loud and clear okay yeah how, how am i how am i yeah the the level is good are you sitting away from your microphone is by chance sir
2: i um probably i mean under a foot so not too far away
1: okay well that's good enough that sounds good the one thing now i'm
2: self-conscious Jeez.
1: don't be self-conscious don't be self-conscious it's fine okay this is totally informal. Also, Josh informed me that uh, I'm getting like sloppy eighths here on, um, on the uh, <laughs> Ireland trip. So,
2: okay, so, but let me clarify something. You were like, I don't know, what we're going to talk about you. I don't want Oh, be the I, I typed
1: up like 15 questions already in between. Okay, fair speak.
2: enough, fair enough. Yeah, but I don't want. I don't want to be the person to accuse you of not knowing. you the strength of your product, so to speak. But, uh, I mean, that, that's. I don't think. I don't think that anybody tunes in necessarily to. I think people tune in because of the uh, the fact that you were getting sloppy eights and, <laughs> <the> <laughs> words like what, whatever whatever we're going to talk about, I'm sure is going to go off in a completely different direction than the you know than the past conversations I've had. So.
1: Yeah, of course. Although I noticed there's a, a lot more podcasts now that are doing um, what I've been doing for a while, which I developed over a while. It's like let me just stop asking questions and just wander. Because that's what podcasts are for. It's so you can you know yeah, you can I'll make totally these agree. wandering, wonderful, whatever you want to talk about things. And you know, I've gone so far off base on what I'm talking to people. Even a new person sometimes, I'll just like I'll take a chance and say, "What's your favorite movie?" And then there's twenty minutes on that.
2: Yeah, I mean, n- not all who wander are lost. Some are just on podcasts.
1: <laughs> I just watched uh, yesterday. My wife and I watched. Um, the uh, documentary about um, Jim Carrey making the uh, Andy Kaufman documentary. I heard that was good. I mean, not documentary. The Andy Kaufman film, Man on the Moon. It's a documentary yeah, f- from his um, behind-the-scenes stuff, which I guess he shot, and then Universal didn't want to let him use it, or maybe they did. I have, or maybe they had nothing to do with it. And he's just messing with you. Um, right. And. Apart from the fact that um, Sigrid said that he sounded like he was turning into a megalomaniac by saying at the end, "Maybe I'm Jesus," I don't think he's joking, and I don't think he's serious about that, which is what I, I thought was very. Because he lost himself in Andy Kaufman, and people got mad, and some people were going to quit the film. And um, when he turned into Tony Clifton, even more people wanted to quit the film. There's video of him wandering around at night with a bag on his head, saying, "I'm Batman. I'm Batman."
2: <laughs> you know, I I think that if you look, especially at where he's gone now, I think that that Jesus, having not seen the documentary, but having heard about it, I think that maybe that something like that Jesus comment is more along the lines of the where he's going in terms of thought about you know ego and logos because he seems to be he's he's talking the enlightenment talk. I don't know if he's actually walked that walk, but. Uh, if you look at some some really peculiar interviews with him, it definitely seems like he's interested in these sort of uh, eastern ideas, eastern slash you know borderline psychonautic um, ideas. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I wonder if I wonder if that's part of the, the 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 journey to that spot. You know, this was the Andy Kaufman pick was was a stop along the way.
1: He de- he said that actually. They said if you hadn't done this movie. Where you played Kaufman, would you be where you are now? Would you have, you know, uh, would you be saying these things now? And he basically said, "No, I wouldn't. It was really an integral part of me turning into whatever I am now." Um, Nice. And you could, you know, I'm almost frightened that what the what he's turning into doesn't frighten me. The only thing is if his ego enters into it, then, yeah, he'll become a guru or something. But if he can keep that away and just kind of tell people to leave him alone and it's like, stop! I'm not starting a cult. Get away from me. Um, I think he has a lot of interesting things to say. The, the thing that really fascinated me, the most fascinating thing about it was the, you know, over – this has nothing to do with going to Ireland and all that, but who cares? Who cares? We were no. talking about tangents and, yeah. Um, is that he got to a place where he could afford to say, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to think and feel whatever I want at this point and not really worry about what people think. And, yeah. there, you know, as long as you don't go off the deep end, which he appears to just have to some people, that is a very rare place to be in. Um, and, you know, sometimes people turn into assholes, but I think that because there's ego stuck on there still. But if you can hold on to that not caring what people think thing yet still just you know it still be compassionate to people i think that's a great line to walk and i i think i think that's what he's trying to do i hope that's what he's trying to do
2: yeah i and and if he can pull it off i mean it'll be if he can pull it off it'll be no mean feat yeah. um to to be a celebrity and to actually I'm trying to think of who, I'm sure that there's somebody out there that has actually taken, you know, been a celebrity and taken an enlightenment route and not, you know, shoved their head up their own ass in the process.
1: Uh, Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, kind I'll, of. i yeah. throw him yeah. in that hopper.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: kind of, yeah.
2: Maybe some people that we have just disappeared are doing that. Maybe that's what Rick Moranis is doing right now.
1: Maybe I don't know. Maybe they, you know, I, I, there's plenty of actors and actresses who've fallen off the map, and you just all they're doing is charity work now.
2: Yeah, which uh, I mean, if you if if you are doing something for a living, if you don't really have a passion about acting, you're just doing it because you have an aptitude, and you want to make enough money, and then you know you want to do other things. I can totally understand that uh, that that progression. You know, it's it's like it's like people who could who show up for work after winning the lottery. It's like, no, dude, that's your time to tap out. You
1: know, unless you really like working here, I mean, if you really like working, here, right. then go right on ahead. Um, right. But yeah, that that's another thing Carrie addressed in that thing. It's like, well, you know, if you get to the end of your life, what do you what do you did, You know, the basic message of a lot of people, did you do what you wanted to? Because he said what happened with his father that really depressed him is that his father wanted to act and was sort of going that direction. And he was a sax player. He grew up um, in Toronto or outside of Toronto. Um he said he was a funny guy, he was wonderful. But then he had to become an accountant because he had a family. And then he failed at that. They didn't fail at it, but he got laid off when he was like 51. And he said, to fail at something you don't want to do, it's got to be one of the worst things that could happen to you. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: that's a pretty, that seems pretty uh, insightful. I mean, I, I can't imagine, it's got to be disheartening. Like, you know, I, I, I took the... Uh, that's took quote unquote, the easy route and it still kicked my tail. <clears throat> yeah.
1: Yeah. And, the, the, every, you know, all of us are on somewhere on that continuum of, are you doing what you want? If you're not doing what you want, why not? If you aren't doing what you want, you know, I used to get in fi- not fights. I used to get in con- uh, conversation about this with people at work. They'd start complaining about something or they'd say, oh, this sucks or, you know, I hate my wife or whatever. And it's like, well, are you happy? And like that, the first question, people go, what? What do you mean? Am I happy? Like, well, just step back for half a second and ask if you're happy. No. Well, well, why not? Well, I'd rather be doing this. It's like, well, why don't you start making moves towards that? Well, I've got a family and a wife. You can still do it. Just do a little bit of it, you know, and maybe it'll turn into something. I'm not a guru or anything, but it, it's, you know, I was miserable for the longest time, and I thought, why don't I just try doing something I want to for a while?
2: Yeah, I I, I do think just to sort of do a, to take a, a – to sort of be a little bit of a contrarian.
1: Go ahead, please. think that's what the show's all about. I think that, <laughs> that there is an
2: interesting very from what I understand very at least very western if not very specifically american um uh fallacy in thinking that the default state of of life is happiness. Um you know, not necessarily unhappy, like unhappiness is bad and um and you know, and 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 hating your li- you know ha- hating hating your life, hating your job, et cetera, is bad. But I don't think it's necessarily a reasonable expectation to be you know over the moon about every aspect of your life. I think that that probably f- f- a good you know sixty plus percent is just you know, trudging through the yes. the doldrums of, of crap.
1: Oh, of course it is. Yeah. Yeah, it, okay. it, I'm, we, I'm, saying, I'm saying getting as close to it as possible without saying, just sitting, going along on the treadmill going, God, this sucks. God, this sucks. God, this sucks. God, I hate this. God, it. Well, you know, do, so, do a little bit of something about it. Maybe. I know it's really hard. It sounds so easy for me to just say it. But this is over a period for myself of probably at very first like six or eight years just saying, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not going to kill myself. Let me try figuring out what's going on here and what I could possibly do about it. And even though I had a job, I didn't hate my job. I'd rather I wasn't there uh, doing audio uh, work. Uh, a lot of the times I'd rather I wasn't there. Um, but it, didn't, it wasn't torture. So I was freed up and I had, you know, three days a week working. I had four days off. Um, a lot of stuff happened in those times because I, I actually chose that weirdo shift. I said, "Please put me on the weekend shift because I've got a lot of other stuff to do." So the weekends were dead. I had worked twelve-hour shifts for three days—Friday, Saturday, and Sunday—but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday were mine to do what I want, and that helped a lot. So it was just, you know, just one thing. Um, yeah, we um, we we could go on about this for you know for the entire show, but uh, uh, which opening do you want to hear? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, you, you know, I'm, well, I feel like I'm I'm pigeonholing myself every time, but I I gotta go with that. Gotta get me some of that sweet sweet anti ETH. Yeah,
1: loving. of course. Yeah, here we go.
2: No, the the whole extraterrestrial thing is
0: not uh, not a viable solution to this.
1: We we need to go f- through a turning point in the study of of this whole domain away from ideology. We're not here to prove that we're being visited by, you know, aliens from this planet or that star. That may very well be true, but we have not done the basic work.
0: I have this hunch that the, um, that this, that this
1: phenomenon is, um comes from some sort of domain of pure information, and the fact that they can interact with us at all suggests that uh, that we inhabit a domain that's also pure information. Are we, uh,
3: we go condition here? Yes.
4: Radio
2: Mysterio so T-
1: yeah, well, I- mutant trombone attack Yeah si- well mutant trombone attack Oh that yeah. I actually found uh Carlos or somebody found um a couple years ago a uh a promo film from Boeing or Lockheed or something introducing, you know, their brand new DC or not that's Douglas. Um their brand new Boeing whatever. And it had that music on it.
2: That doesn't inspire
1: <laughs> confidence. But... <laughs> it was, yeah, it was for um I it, well it, it's well known at least among people that are crazy on uh Plan 9 that that um that music was from a music library it was, you know, it's just you paid a fee and then you got um uh, you know you could use the music and so other people obviously use the music for other things so um
2: yeah well it's i mean it's it's a it's a compelling little clip there i mean yeah
1: <laughs> i've been using that probably over 10 years that's really frightening also i realized that when i made up these t-shirts which are which are now for sale at uh, zazzle there's there's a link on the site for them um.
2: Yeah, after I bought all the other t-shirts, you bring out the sexy t-shirts.
1: Yeah, well, you kick my butt. this is com- <laughs> complete uh complete coincidence, I would say. So those became the official things and I, I was looking through the old ones and I thought, "Yeah, mmm, wonder if he has the, you know, oh, and Miguel too was kicking my butt. It's like, "Where where are your t-shirts?" Uh, what, it, the meat of this is um uh, the sloppy eights, but going into other things. And I, if you if we start talking about steer us away from something you've talked about before, um, well, you unless know, th- you, you know, unless we got a spin on it, and we're just going. I don't care.
2: I was thinking, too. I mean, like, did you see the video?
1: Yes, I did see the video.
2: Okay, So you're, you're the only person to interview me who saw the video.
1: I watch it and you, it seems like you should be a professional tour guide. It
2: was really oh. nice
1: info about all this stuff. Um,
2: so, you know, I, I I try to make it a point to, I mean, in addition to just what I've internalized over the years, I try to make it a point whenever I find out something to include, you know, a bit of this or that um, in the video. I could have probably filmed twice as much stuff, but yeah. as it was, it's still like, what, 20-some-odd 20, 20 minutes. Yeah.
1: For people that are listening, you have no idea what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> about a month ago, you went on a vacation to Ireland. Um, so why don't you tell people why you went, where you visited and why you visited those places. And then we'll get into, you know, my 15 or 18 or so questions that I threw, I threw together in the, in the 20 minutes before we did the show here.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, I've always been sort of an Anglophile in general, and the original plan was to see Ireland and Scotland. But since we were doing this from September 27th to October 6th, it quickly became apparent that would be, you know, an untenable plan. Uh, So we just decided to do pretty much the upper two thirds of Ireland around the coast. Um, and I think really did a quite a handy job. I remember one of our days we went all the way from Belfast through County Antrim through Sligo and wound up at Galway that night. And we were sitting down to dinner and somebody was like, you did all that today. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, we kind of did. We buckled in. It was a lot of driving.
1: involved. You're crazy but, uh, Americans.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, you know, so I, I've you know I've had a, a soft spot for pub culture, a soft spot for um, that corner of the world in general, and you know, not, to say nothing of the fact that I've you know lived, eaten, and breathed uh, you know fairy fairy lore, fairy faith stuff um, for at least the past you know two and a half three years. Um, so just to have some context for these things because a, a lot of I'm not really sure if I learned anything, but I was able to contextualize things in such right. a Better manner. Um, oh, it was like
1: a pilgrimage for you after writing this book, which is coming out when in the uh, beginning of the year.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometime I think uh, first half of twenty eighteen. What's the title? The, uh, Unless it gets changed, which I don't. I, th- I think Patrick Patrick Weege and anomalous liked the title, so I think we're going to stick with it. Thieves in the Night: um, Paranormal Child Abduction from Fairy Faith Through the UFO Era. Um, and yeah, I mean it's a huge part of it. I mean I, I came back with some. Well, here's here's a good example of contextualization. Like you look at for example, a lot of the the changeling mythos, where supposedly the fairy folk uh, you know, took your child and substituted it either with an elderly fairy or with one of their own children. One thing that you'll see on a lot of these um remedies, one one popular remedy was to, you know, take the changeling, the suspected changeling outside and dump it on the dung heap. And <laughs> I kept on saying, I kept on saying to myself, "What the what the hell is it like? What? Why does everybody just have a pile of shit by their door? Like I don't don't quite get that." I,
1: I think they mean from animals well, for yeah. uh, for a, a, a compost. Yeah, well, that, I, that's, I think that's I'm being not, nice here, but it, that's the only thing I can think of.
2: No, 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 that, that's that's very much the case, and I found out that it was it was actually one of the uh, it was a very common sticking point or very commonly cited criticism of the Irish by like for example, you know, uh, the those, British the british yeah is that look at these you know look at these animalistic irish living with a giant you know pile of cow of cow dung outside their door but what it was it was a very calculated uh you know move by the irish um in a a, a system with you know a lot of rocky soil you needed all the fertilizer you could get so through the winter they would make a pile of this you know of this cow dung and then when they planted seeds in the spring Planted, you know, for the harvest, they would fertilize it. They'd have just this giant pile of fertilizer. So just little things like that that I already knew and that obviously make some degree of intuitive sense. Um, it was just nice to have some confirmation, and it was nice to to uh, to just have again some some contextualization on it. Um, yeah. There, there were there were a couple of couple of times I felt like I. Well, I remember, for example, we went on a guided tour around Loch Gurr I remember talking to the tour guide, and he was—I think—he's—he's he's very, very well-researched uh, gentleman. He's a school teacher who went back to get his um, get his master's in history, and uh, sort of a, a keystone member of the Locker Historical Society, which we can talk about the importance of that particular site in general. But yeah. um, he hasn't given too many of these guided tours, but we, you know, wanted to sort of go. We wanted to get some depth on this this leg of the trip. And he said, "So what are you looking for?" And I said, "Well, you know, I've said I'm a real big fan of you know Irish folklore, and I've I've studied you know Croft and Croker and Patrick Kennedy's legendary fictions of the Irish Irish Celts, and you know John Rhys and Sidney Hartland's work, and and uh, you know well you know Evans Wentz, He goes, he looks at me, and goes, "Well, what the hell do you want me for?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say that. He was probably going to say, "Well, why don't you lead the tour then?"
2: Yeah, and there was there was one night like I so, uh, so actually coming back to the leaf blower thing, which we will be, we'll circle around. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was something that was nice for me too, though, is because like I've I've kind of pined away for you know the the verdant hills of the Emerald Isle for for a long time now, and it's nice to go there and see that like yeah you know there are crappy days over there, uh, there there are mundane things like leaf blowers. People have these you know these uh liminal experiences within sight of other people's homes. You don't have to be in the middle of the wilderness to have these things happen. It was it was a nice to also have like as mystifying as, as the situation could be, it was also nice to demystify some things. You know, I mean I again with me being a a, a fan of pub culture, I was, I always thought that every pub would be some place that I just wanted to, you know, curl up in with a book and sit for the rest of my life. No, there are shitty pubs too. Like it's, <laughs> it's of course. Not, every pub is not you know, every pub is not a home, um, you
1: know, <laughs> a, 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 the a nice line. roaring fireplace and camaraderie.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of them. The most exotic thing you're going to get on draft is you know Bud Light or Coors Light. <laughs> are so, locals are coming up and buying these, you know, what we would all consider pretty, pretty uh, crappy, you know, macro brews in America. So it's so the demystification is nice because it makes me appreciate home a little bit more. But uh, I do remember our first night we were there, we spent in Dublin. And instead of, you know, we timed it so that we flew overnight. I slept like maybe an hour. I was so wired.
3: No, um, I can never
2: sleep so on planes. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was like a 36-hour day. And because we got there in the morning, we just kept on going and going. And we, um...
1: I saw your post. We,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we, um, we had a a sort of dinner and folklorist, um folklorist dinner theater I guess is probably the best way to put it um, at the brazen head which I think is was a is a pub that was founded in like 11 something just stupid old but um, I, I think that I ended up getting on the folklorist nerves because he would ask these rhetorical questions about the fairies and I'd always like raise my hand and shout out the <laughs> answer <laughs> so yeah um, but uh, no it was it was it was rhetorical, I would <laughs> exactly i wouldn't trade i wouldn't trade the experience for the world um I am over the moon about it, and i can't wait to go back someday
1: mm-hmm. the uh book why did you want to do the book i know i I'm pretty sure it was from you probably told me it was an extension of uh some of the uh, things you wrote about in uh, Trojan feast and um the 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 smell one
2: well yeah, i mean it's everyone sort of builds off of off of the the previous body of work, but a lot of it too was i sort of felt myself not really as inspired about something else to write. And I'm like, well, what gets, you know, what really gets my motor going? And uh, the answer is, you know, fairy, fairy lore. So let's do something that concentrates on fairy lore. So, you know, a lot of the stuff that I think that people are going to see in this book, if they're familiar, I mean, they're going to, they're going to already probably know some of the some of the connections that I draw especially with the the way that you know alien hybrid babies alleged alleged alien hybrid babies look very similar to the way that changelings looked and a lot of these things are going to be addressed and they're going to be familiar but there are a lot of like little tiny um little tiny connections tiny details that I think uh really make it worthwhile to take a look at um so it is it is the first it's the first book to ever really look at Paranormal child abduction specifically, because I go, as usual, I go into like the Bigfoot things and witches and all sorts of, you know, different areas. As you, um, should, as you do. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but I also think that to some degree it's going to, I think that it's kind of going to occupy a special place on the, you know, the fairy folklorist bookshelf. I, I can't help but think it's probably the most comprehensive, um, most comprehensive book on fairy abduction in general, that's come out in English in the past, you know, 40, 50, 60 years. Um, but I also think it's going to be sort of the um, the go-to book on, you know, changeling lore and, you know, describing all the different ways, you know, supposedly you could prevent child abduction and you could rescue your children and, you know, all these sort of different things. Um you know, I, I honestly think that if I didn't go off off the rails as you have to do if you're a true 14 and, you know, speculate as to the reality of this, if I didn't do that, it might actually be a useful academic book. But because, <laughs> I, because I do that, I probably, you know, cut my sales in half because I think that there's some sort of component that's objective to all this.
1: No, no. It, well, you didn't because you're not writing for, like, Oxford University Press or something where somebody's going to expect that. In fact, I would venture to say that if you did something like that, Patrick would have said, "No, no, 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 no. This is yeah, for this enough. is for a popular audience. You have to say these things. In fact, you're expected to say these things. And you know, I, I for one, am glad you, that you do. Um, well,
2: I, I think that I think that uh, I am kind of glad that I went in that direction because I think that this. I don't think that what I put forth uh, solves the missing four one one enigma. Um, But I think that it puts it it doesn't crack the nut, but it fractures the nut. If that makes any sense,
3: yeah,
2: yeah, totally. Um, I think that there's I think that there's a a hint of something that I'm onto that has something to do with what's going on. I don't I wouldn't be so presumptuous as to think that it's the actual truth, but uh, it's a it's a working model that I think is is a is a new way to look at some of these things, some of these uh, some of these cases that are really arguably the most uh, popular subject in Fortiana nowadays.
1: There is no need to uh, be academic, uh, at least completely. And the, the last point you were making was that um, the speculation should be there. Um, I think even in academia, people, will, they will speculate. They just say, look, this is just speculation. And that points them and other people in directions of uh, further further research. So well, I think it, you should first- do that, and I'm glad you did. And, and it was incumbent upon you to do so since you have such a good backgrounding in this now. What were your um, kind of your basic texts? You're like, oh my god, this uh, this person's a Superman or woman, and this this is the huge block or shoulder I'm standing on or shoulders.
2: Oh good lord, you're gonna make me do this. Um, I mean, no, it's.
1: Why? Why do you, I should, has anybody else asked you that? I'm sure they have.
2: No, 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 no. It's just it's I I I don't. It's not it's not a block. I mean, it's it's an entire foundation made up... It's an entire foundation made up of multiple <laughs> blocks that are all. It, that's a house made of
1: yeah. Yeah, well, there's uh, there's one of the people actually.
2: Yeah, you know, I didn't get Saint Terry in there as much as I'd like to have this this time. Um, he did
1: write a um, to the new edition of uh, Evans Evans Wentz. I think the newest one that came out. He did write it. Well, the newest one was like the nineties. Oh, oh, he wrote an he intro has, to it.
2: He has lots of great stuff to say about sort of. We're fairy talking fairy about Terence McKenna here, if people. Yeah. Know. But. Uh, in regards to this particular, you know, child abduction modality, there's not a lot of what he said has said to work with. Um, you know, obviously, Evans Wentz. I mean, you can find it online. It's a foundational text that I think uh, every time you look through it, it reveals a new nuance in terms of the way that it relates to modern, uh, you know subject areas of inquiry from alien abduction to the missing 411 stuff like it's there's a it's a very dense there's more in there than you even know
3: right
2: um and it's part of the surreal thing for me was to to visit places that he talked about in there <laughs> um you know it's that was i only cried like three times or four times i think which i'm really quite surprised at. have but, uh, <laughs> but you know that that was definitely that definitely uh Definitely was a what did, special, what, uh, the source of some special moments for me. Um,
1: well, what, yeah, people people don't know. I mean, I read this in the early 90s, and it was like it was head, it opened up my brain. I felt like my brain being, my skull being opened up by reading Fairy Faith in the Celtic Countries. And I think I read it because Valet had said, you know, you should read this if you want to understand the, a lot of this alien fairy lore stuff. It's like, huh, what? So I read it, and I was just about, it was a religious experience.
2: Yeah, I mean it's and it has not been I mean it's a, it's a foundational text to this day and it's its value has not been surpassed by anything.
1: What did he do? Um, so if people so people know and they will go out and get the book um uh, before yours comes out so they get some backgrounding.
2: Um he basically was just, you know, as as from the position of an anthropologist, uh, you know, was was collecting stories. Um
1: in, you like nineteen eleven or no yeah,
2: it was yeah it's ni- nineteen eleven yeah is yeah. the is the publication date okay um and uh he uh he went to basically everywhere that has this sort of little tradition in that in little 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 people tradition in Western Europe and compiled it roughly by geography and then also you know actually evans wentz is sort of a good example of somebody who does something that I did i mean that is a that is a you know now that i th- now that i think about it that's he actually was an academic who ended up positing an objective reality to some of this stuff. I mean, I remember at one point he, towards the end, he, you know, after collecting all this in a very, um, you know. Academic,
1: um, uh, disconnected, um, what's the word, objective Uh, sort uh, of way.
2: Ethnographic, very, you know, he, he collected his data in a very academic way. And yet at the end, he still speculated as to the objective reality of some of these things. And I remember at one point he said, you know, how many of us have seen a Pine Martin or, you know, how many of us go, might go our entire lives without seeing a Kingfisher, yeah. except perhaps, you know, as an illustration or being told about it, and yet we accept these things as realities of their own? Who's to say that there isn't some sort of objective reality to these other things? Um, and, and he was just he was just incredibly ahead of his time. So obviously Evans Wentz, um, Sidney Hartland's uh, Science of Fairy Tales, which is not a scientific book at all. It's, <laughs> it's a collection of folklore motifs, and I think you've seen that one too. Um
1: yeah because you pointed it out to me, and i i haven't actually read it, but I was kind of actually it was one of your guys' guys guys posts
2: yeah 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 um yeah yeah uh definitely um crofton croker patrick kennedy um john rise i mean these are all people who were do who were compiling fairy books i mean a lot of what this a lot of what this book is is just i mean sort of you could just buy it for the bibliography to see where this fairy stuff is and the amazing thing is so much of this is a you know publicly available PDFs. yeah I mean very easy to find because you know there's not a lot of there's not a lot of people doing research on to this level on sort of the fairy faith nowadays some of the people who are and this is a book that I recommend wholeheartedly um is a collection of essays called the good People by peter Nervais. um and it's it's another rich book that I think is kind of goes hand in hand with with Evans Wentz in a lot of ways. I mean, there's an entire appendix in there on uh, fairies encountered in Newfoundland when children are berry picking, um, which anyone who has a, is a missing four one one fan will note the uh, the importance of that. I'll sort of leave that to the
1: side. But um, what what did you say? What 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 was the importance? I said anyone
2: who's who's followed the missing 411 stuff will, will 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 intuit the importance of that without you know without getting bogged down in the significance of that particular data point you know anybody who's
1: oh I'm sorry uh, what was the data point because I think it was oh, one of my questions oh, um, uh, fair uh, it's, it's
2: an entire appendix of uh of sightings by children in Newfoundland sightings and some sometimes disappearances of children berry picking who encounter fairies. Um,
1: Oh, okay, because yeah, yeah. one of my questions was, and um, not to derail us too much, but at one point in your video, you said something about a lot of the these ferry sites are in boulder fields. And I know where I heard that before, because Politus and I think to some extent, what, uh, what was her name, Steph Smith? Um, Steph Young? Young, Young, I'm sorry. Yeah. Have said that um, a lot of this happens in, and even I think Lawn Strickler uh, told me the same thing, too, is that a lot of these disappearances seem to happen in boulder fields.
2: I know that I'm becoming the therefore faithful guy, but I I, I, I firmly I it's my Twitter handle even. I know I, I firmly believe that I believe horrible word.
1: You are it fairly seems, convinced at this point until uh, until different uh, data comes in.
3: But,
2: I mean, yeah, yeah. There's a convincing amount of data that suggests that the only extant belief system, to use that term loosely, that. Uh, fits all the criteria of the missing four one one data points is the fairy faith. That's not me saying that there are literally little people running around. I'm saying that whatever that that whatever that set of beliefs is describing,
1: or data seems, or whatever you want to call it, seems yeah, yeah, to yeah, match yeah. quite favorably with the fairy folk uh, fairy faith. And that interaction's been going on for hundreds of years or thousands.
2: No, I mean no. I'm just saying that like, the fairy faith, the, the the set the data the data set. That describes whatever the fairy the fairies were mm-hmm. is the most parsimonious explanation for what's going on in the missing four one one stuff. And,
1: yeah, and and it's a mistake, and I'm sure, I know you just said this probably is it's a mistake to say fairies are are making people disappear in national park. Right, right. That, that has nothing to do with it. What it is is there is a there there is something to examine here, um, whether it's you know little people running around or um, something else that's Maybe as yet unknown that uh, is operating under the same hmm, parameters well, that uh, mean, that some of this this fairy stuff was, and it's just the new, just like the UFO thing. I mean, what it's the newest iteration of whatever people have been seeing for the last, you know, well, three, four thousand, whatever years.
2: I, I think I think here's an example of sort of the, the way that I'm. Oh, the, yeah, please. The point I mean, you, you you're making the point, but to sort of further clarify it for people.
1: No, no, you I can f- do it better.
2: If an American Indian said that a race of half men, half horses had landed on the beach, in giant wooden houses, and were taking over and decimating the villages, that wouldn't be true because it's not half men, half horses. Right. It's men on men on top of horses. It's not giant wooden houses. They're 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 ships. But what he is saying is is describing exactly what is happening to a t so in other words the the the, there's a difference between describing the phenomena and what we graft onto the phenomena as an explanation for for what's going on right um and i think that that the fairy faith is 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 describing something incredibly accurately but i don't necessarily think that the the fairy pageantry is is spot on with what's going on
1: yeah well we've we've uh we take our language and our metaphors and we wrap it around whatever the hell it is that we're experiencing that's that's been going on forever and it seems like that's what's going on now but because fairy faith and that kind of model for it is not in in favor in a in a whatever this age is people don't have any you know they're positing i guess serial killers or something but then there's a whole bunch of them that don't really match up with that either so yeah, it's, and, it, yeah, you know until yeah. a new model comes along for whatever the hell's going on it's just kind of a it's a four one one mystery it's not a it's not the the fairy and actually, one of the listeners said that's the first time I've ever heard um Josh connect his his trip and his interest to the four one one thing how very Mark- machiavellian of you he said it's like no actually i br- I brought it up, <laughs> <laughs> but well, i'm yeah, sure you was- you've you, because you, the thing was you were making the 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 generalization of like this is pretty much the same as this and I just came up with a it's like yeah this is one of my actual questions the boulder field thing but yeah, you, you say know, I, it applies in a lot of ways
2: you you can't talk about you can't talk I don't think I think it would be a glaring oversight for me to to write a book about you know child abduction and paranormal you know child disappearances without bringing up the 411 stuff yeah um you know and and I and I have you know had something to say on it that not a lot of people are saying so Um, but yeah, but it was, it it weighed, it weighed on my mind. I mean, uh, you know, uh, we did go out one night to some fairy forts and I did not wear my red jacket that night. Um, you know, I wore my, I wore my leather jacket because people tend to disappear with bright colors. And of course, you know, again, with this example that I'm saying about how the fairy faith explains the missing 411 stuff to a great degree, uh, you know, it, fairies tended to, to, to take offense, depending on various sources, to people who wore green or bright red or bright colors. So, so that was mm. that was a no no. That was a no no for me to wear the to wear the red that night.
1: Yeah, well, that actually dovetails quite well with another, another of my questions. Did I'd anything set them
2: up and you knock them down? Right?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Did anything actually? You know, well, two things. One, what was your methodology going there? Because I noticed you say I brought some food for the fairy folk, which is a traditional thing to do. Um, so maybe you can describe that and wh- why you did that and what you know how you picked the places to go to and you know more importantly and I guess as the crowning thing of all this did anything happen while you were there?
2: Uh you know I I was I was meaning well, you know was, what I mean. Yeah no 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 I, so um, my my methodology I mean, it was it was you know part of it was I've never been to I I've, I've never been to I've never been to Europe at all except for the, you know in this case. Um so I was trying to balance my you know, my fairy proclivities with, uh, with, you know, actually just doing reg- regular people sightseeing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I made it a point to keep an eye out for, for, for things that looked like fairy forts. And after a while, you get a sense for what, uh, these things are and what these things look like. Um, they come in actually a pretty surprising array of shape sizes, uh, you know, um, uh, in in terms of, you know, being overgrown or not overgrown, um, you know, you, you listen to these statistics and it's, some people say that there are upwards of 40, 50, even 60,000, um, Fairy forts, fairy raths, fairy leos, whatever people want to call them, on Ireland. So you'd think that you'd be you'd be stumbling over them all the time, but they can actually be quite difficult to find because a lot of times you're you're looking at them at, at ground level, so they just sort of look like a big you know hump of, hunk of dirt. Yeah. Or you know you're also um you know you're also driving through Ireland and like it's half the time. Uh, this countryside it can be obscured by hedges or fences. You, know, you get like you get like a six foot gap that you get to see before the fence starts again. Yeah. Um. So you know, a, but but after a while I did get to the point where I was like, oh look, it's another ferry fort, which you know, is, is surprising to me. I, normally I would, you know, it's, it's amazing to me that I could I could drive by any of them and not absolutely freak out. But uh, but um. So in terms of methodology, just knowing what to look for with that, but like it was more about like you know the idea of the idea of seeing or um or uh upsetting the gentry is not what upsets me it's the fact that generally when you do those sort of things there's bad luck so i'm more worried about you know my plane going down the way home or loved one's dying or like you know uh going bankrupt or something because i i, I you know i i went somewhere that i shouldn't have um, so, you know, we stayed in bed and breakfast and I would shove a bunch of toast or bread products in my in my uh, in my pants. In, in, my, in my jacket pockets. And they'd be like, <laughs> oh, you're right. Oh, we are hungry for the bread this morning. Aren't you I'm like, yes, yeah, that's great. Bring me some more bread. <laughs> um, you know, I, I know James, James Boyd was like, I was uh, going to well, bring well, Jim Boyd up. <laughs> Yeah, well, Jim was Jim was commenting on my photos with all sorts of advice, like an entire loaf of soda bread works best. And like, dude, I am just doing my best. <laughs> you know?
1: um, Jim Boyd is a longtime Forty who's associated. I get, I met him at the uh, Fort Fest in um, Baltimore in two thousand. In um, great yeah. guy, an incredibly great storyteller, and. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he's written anything. He's just one of those people that kind of hangs out in the background and knows everything and has the greatest stories and the best advice and all that.
2: Yeah, he's 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 like the walking to me the walking definition of like institutional knowledge. Like he's got right. a he's got a real good he, he's he's been he's observed this stuff and has been interested in this stuff long enough that I would take many of his opinions uh, to the bank.
3: Yeah,
1: uh, but, um, to, but to go ahead with your – we'll talk about Boyd in a second because he told me a story about what happened when he was there. And he probably told you, but go ahead with you, what you were doing.
2: Um, so there were a couple of different different places that I wanted to make sure that I saw, some stuff uh, from Evans Wentz here and there, some stuff that I'd seen. Um, but again, like, I mean, there there are plenty of very well-known fairy sites that I didn't get to see. And there are some obscure sites that I did get to see that aren't talked about. So I was just trying to find and walk a balance between uh, between the two of those. Um <clears throat> but uh you know whenever uh if if it look if it was something there that there weren't a lot of tourists tromping through um I made it a point to not tromp through, but if there's something where that was open to the public, I feel like if a if a if a location is almost sullied by that much tourism it's probably okay it's probably okay to walk into the ferry fort at that point, you know. Um, so I tried to walk that line, uh, between the two and I have to sneeze. So give me one second here.
1: He's got a sneeze button. And of course it didn't work. I didn't sneeze. So just, yeah, you got a sneeze down. button. Actually, uh, Jeff, one of the listeners said on one, of, on one of the other shows, I listened to a couple of the listeners were throwing fits about Josh trespassing on private property to gain access.
2: So, wait, so there were actually people mad at me about that. Cause
1: yeah, because oh, people geez. like to be self-righteous, indignant, <laughs> Um, also, there yeah, are a well, lot of people that love to be outraged and pissed off, and I think it's mainly it's it's play of hate anyway. Go well, ahead.
2: you know, my my thing was I, I would like to see those people in a situation where they literally don't know if they're ever coming back to this place again, and they see something that they've written about their entire life, and you know that your intentions are good, and you, you know, it, it, it was something that I I could not, I could not let pass me by. Um, Right.
1: uh, Oh, I've trespassed a gazillion times to get to something that I wanted to see that I'd written about or that somebody wanted to see or I was with somebody. We look at the thing and then we leave. We don't tromp anything down. We don't, you know, we don't smash anything. We don't uh, leave graffiti. We don't uh, cut, you know, if you can't get in, you can't get in. But if there's an open door, it's like, let's take a look at that.
2: and to be fair, like I, you know, it was not like I didn't pay a price for my trespassing. Like I grasped uh, an electric fence and I stepped in cow shit, so I think I paid my dues. You know? <laughs>
3: um,
1: At the same you time,
2: know, yeah, it's it, so, I, anyway. i uh
1: ahead with your your methodology and experiences.
2: Um. So yeah, just trying to find and also trying to make, you know plans play well um you know hitting hitting certain sites on the way to and from uh other other spots um yeah i mean you know just 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 trying to to find a a good way to to make that to to see these sites without going completely out of the way um and what also trying to sort of get a mixture of different I was just gonna say also trying to get sort of a mixture of of the different types of, of, of sites that you that you see. Um and you know, some of it was I mean some of this stuff is kinda of hard to find because it is for everyone there it's pretty mundane. I mean it's 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 almost like um I'm trying to think if there's something analogous here in, in, uh, people in, uh, come
1: to LA and they want to see the uh, La Brea Tar pits. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I hope the kids are happy.
1: Um, <laughs> no, I mean, but it's, it's but, just it's, right it's, next it's, to them all the time, so it's no big deal. And people come and say, like, what are you so excited about?
3: Uh, well, yeah, yeah, because
1: exactly. I don't live right next to Cape Canaveral and see rockets going off every day. That's why.
3: That I mean, kind of it thing. It would
2: almost be like somebody going to you know to Tucson and being like, I want to see cacti. You know, like well, there's a cacti there, and like you want to see another one, like you.
3: you
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, I see. That's a better analogy. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's because it's just it's it's everywhere. Um, uh, But it's you know it's also interesting to me that a lot of these sites, like I guess because they're so you know ubiquitous, um, uh, you know, a lot of these sites are. Open to the public 24-7-365, um, which, you know, from somebody who is interested in 14 things, I wish there were more sites like that in America. I mean, I, in, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be going up. Uh, there's a series of uh, very, very prominent, well-preserved uh, burial mounds uh, just about less than an hour north of me um, that I'm going to go see. And I'm thinking to myself, man, it will be really cool because you look at these things and look exactly like some of these, you know, burial mounds that you'll see. Across the world, especially in the British Isles,'m like man it' would be really cool to go there at about eleven o 'clock at now, and never mind, because you know it's you know, it 's only open until five o'clock or whatever, but you know one of the sites that we went to Nuri, uh, the, the the queen Mav's tomb, which is this giant stone cairn at the top of a hill mm-hmm. um a rich historical legacy heritage site is open for people to come up there and camp if they want to, which is like such a an incredible opportunity for people who are interested in these sort of things to have. And I wish that I wish that I don't even think that people are uptight about the sort of things around here. I think that it's more along the lines of we as a as a uh, as a country as a people are mature enough to handle that sort of <laughs> that sort of access and that sort of responsibility.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I've I'm actually in a group called um Explorers of the Mojave Desert and there's been a lot of threads there recently about you know, how much access should there be because everybody we know goes out there with the, like and comes back with three or four you know, whatever 50-gallon garbage bags full of trash they found out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So, yeah, I I you know, i I agree with you on that. You you couldn't have that here. It just wouldn't it wouldn't work.
2: Yeah, and I guess maybe that's—I mean, you know—if people get upset about me trespassing, I'm, if if that's if that's sort of the baseline for uh, for Americans, then maybe that's a, a valid a valid thing to be concerned about for me. But you know, it's no—the baseline
1: it's, um, is I w- I would like to be self-righteously indignant about something. That that's that's all it is.
2: Or people who like you know who go out and spray paint rock formations. It's like really come on, guys.
1: Yeah, um. exactly. So you, b- b- you know, uh, okay. Why don't you? Uh, you went out to let's say you went to a, a fairy mound or a circle or something like that. Um, what did you do when you got there? Why did you do what you did? Um, and um, what you know? Are there any? And you know, are were there any consequences or anything you noticed later or anything like that? Maybe that was more accurately what I was trying to ask you.
2: Um. Well. You're talking you know, to me, I,
1: so you got lucky. So you you came no, you I, came back, and you're on my show. That's like one of the best things that could ever happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
2: so far, so far, I'm alive. So you know, and, and I get to talk to Greg Bishop. Greg Bishop is still my friend, so that's 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 a blessing. Um, no, I I, I would just make it a point, like I would, you know, it, it, you know, after I turn the camera off and if my wife wasn't around, uh, I you know, I'd sort of talk to whatever was there and see if something would happen. Um, you know talk about how I was there and I was trying to be respectful and then I would, before I would leave, I would leave behind whatever little piece of bread I had. Um, the, the the bread, the offering of the bread was sort of like my insurance in a lot of ways, and, you know, in case something, for something did not happen. So, well, for example, I made sure that even though I visited the site earlier in the day, two of the, two of the, uh, two of the, uh Fairy forts around Loch uh, Kerry Kerrygal, or the collective name of the two. Um, I did go back. I didn't leave anything that afternoon, but when I came back at night, I made sure to leave something because that's a lot
3: scarier time to go.
2: Um, yes. And uh, and you know, I I, I left uh, I left some bread behind after I left uh, as as I as I parted from there, departed from there. Nothing nothing happened to me. You know, I don't know what I was expecting. Uh, I was I was hoping for maybe some sort of Anomalous light phenomena, because my even though I've seen some things here and there throughout my life, um, you know, some stuff that's unambiguous enough where I can't get the toothpaste back into the tube, as Gordon White would say. Yes. Um, I my, I don't think my wife has, and I really want her to, you know, it's one thing to to think, oh, this is really interesting in folk work, but it's another thing to be like, no, no, these people really aren't crazy, <laughs> you know, to have that sort of undeniable. Yeah,
1: there's well, no substitute for personal experience, which is why yeah. I had Ritzman on and been pushing that a little bit. But anyway, go ahead.
2: No, well, well put. Well put. Um. Uh, so... I, uh, so I didn't really see anything like that. Um, there was some, uh, uh there was a megalithic, uh, tomb in,
1: uh, You're cutting out a little bit here.
2: Wow. That's, are you in Denang? What's going
1: <laughs> Yeah. I don't know really how to turn that. That's the microphone for the, Jeez, I'm in Los Angeles, which is like that. Now, if we're unlucky, the thing will start circling right over my house. Okay, wow, it, it's it's still going, Erica.
2: That was impressively loud.
1: Yeah, maybe that's what was cutting you out. But you said um, something about uh, megalithic uh, sites.
2: Um. Yeah. So there was a megalithic freestanding tomb that.
1: Uh, yep, that it's circling. Is, I have to close the window. Just a second. Oh, okay, you're good. Oh, great! Now there's sirens too. Great. <laughs> go big or go home yeah exactly wait let me let me get this window i'm just leaving it open because it was warm in here in november which is why i'm going to stay in the west there we go maybe that's a little less nasty okay yeah, um sorry I, 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 i'm sorry I, about I was, that josh no i was i
2: was i mean part of me was just wondering i mean i, knew, I figured it was a helicopter on your end but uh I was trying to push through because I was like, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm the only one who hears it somehow. I don't know.
1: <laughs> oh no, um, no, I, I could hear it fine. In fact, it might have been what was messing you up because it was trying to fight whatever was coming through in the mic. Yeah, they're circling right over the house. I can hear them. That's great. Anyway,
2: because it's because you're going to reveal the fairy, the fairy folk agenda.
1: I guess. Well, the lights aren't shining down yet. As soon as, as soon as you say, yeah, you know, as soon as you uh, come up with the secret, the lights will like come right through my window from the <laughs> helicopter. Um, and I, we've completely derailed you.
2: You know, sometimes I toy with the idea that there's so much government suppression uh, regarding those with an interest in the ETH simply because they're trying to convince people that they're on the right track. <laughs> like, that's the reason. Because sometimes I, I, have this, I have this, like, uh, this.
1: Oh, I see what you mean. Like, yeah. but it's, it's that old um, Whitley Strieber thing that uh, don't believe in them because it gives them more strength. Well, yeah, like sometimes well, partially, sometimes but it also gives you know the the it also gives the people that don't believe the normal BS or the, the normal whatever the explanation for reality a, a chance. It it means there's a crack opening, and that they can't have that.
2: Yeah, that's that, that's that that's 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 well put. I mean, sometimes I feel like I haven't gotten my my ufologist card because I haven't been harassed, you know, yet. Um, but yeah. at the same time, you know, it's, but it's like maybe you know. Maybe it's because I don't
1: know. Well, I've never been harassed, really. I mean, I've been I've been frightened by things people said, but I've never had people. Well, I did have weird phone calls and people stopping in front of my house taking pictures and, and mail being opened. So I guess maybe that's part of it. Yeah,
2: that's that's strange, and I'm not you know. Good Lord, I'm not asking to be harassed, but sometimes it's like, am I on the right track? Because nobody seems to give <laughs> nobody seems to be you know concerned about it.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, did Did you want to finish the thought that was derailed by the uh, helicopter? I, or
2: what, what? What was the thought?
1: You said something about megalithic sites, and I was going, "What is that oh, damn yeah. sound?" Because you got cut out.
2: Yeah. So there was a there was a free standing megalithic tomb that was that definitely had the most uncomfortable feeling of anywhere that we went. Um, so that was peculiar. The other thing was, um, the one thing that, that happened to me that's probably, for me, the most most interesting thing uh, that occurred to me was the, the largest stone circle in Ireland uh, is there at Loch Ger. And Loch Ger is special because it's, uh, allegedly it's, one of the, uh, it's, allegedly it's one of the, it's allegedly it's one of the, one of the entrances to, to fairyland there. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's lousy with, uh, with, you know, prehistoric sites. I think it's been continuously inhabited, inhabited the area has been for about 8,000 years. Um, and it's like, you know, there, there are, you can, you can throw, you can, you can throw a rock and hit a stone circle, <laughs> um, you know, anywhere. But uh, it's, um, so the largest stone circle is the Grange Stone Circle, It's 400 years older than Stonehenge, and some of the stones, some of the large stones, came from about three miles away. Um, originally, it was just a uh, it was just a earthen earth, earthen ring, and then the, the stones were added to it later. Um, it's 113 stones, and it's 150 feet across. Um, it does have an al- it does have some celestial alignments that are that are quite important um, not solstices, even though some people claim that they're the solstices, but they do uh, um the sun does rise through the entrance on quarter days um,
1: uh, equinoxes
2: no, not equinoxes it's it, it, a lot of people say that they're equinoxes, but these are quarter days, so like may first and August first they're days in between equinoxes
3: oh okay equinoxes. okay yes.
2: um uh, and this is all information that I got from our lovely uh, tour guide, uh, Michael Quinlan, who spent about forty minutes with us, just you know sitting, standing there in this stone circle, and uh, and he uh, was talking about you know nobody, no one really knows what a lot of these sites are for. A lot of them seem to have some sort of ritual use. He said, he said, he said, uh, he said, you know, I, I don't know how much stock I put into it, but uh, there was a. Psychic here who said that she had a vision of uh, of a stone altar over there by you know he pointed to it to a where a tree was um, and saw a you know a young woman sacrificed by some people who looked like you know long bearded druids who sliced her throat with their canine teeth.
3: Um.
2: So, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I believe Good that. One.
1: Whoops. Good one.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, in a lot of ways, I believe that more than a lot of, you know, somebody come in there and been like, this is a site to raise your vibrations, and your frequency is going to be <laughs> elevated by <laughs> Sandy. Yeah. But then he goes and says, are you he says, are you familiar with ley lines? And I'm like, brother, <laughs> am I familiar oh, with ley lines? Um, and he says that, you know, he says that he's seen many a dowser go to this spot and just have their, their you know, their rods go crazy. Um it says that he, he himself and this is, you know, this is this is like a, a retired school teacher who, like I said, went back to get his masters in archaeology. Um and he said, you know, he said, I, I definitely believe that there's something to that here. And he made it a point, and I'm so thankful for this. He said he said, I want to I'm making it a point and I, I want to um I want to I want you both to have some time in here to just Stand, yeah, circle without me around, just the two of you, um, and just see if you feel feel anything come over you and he says sometimes there there's a there's a large rock there that's called uh uh it's crumb dub or something like that, which means um the dark one and it's it's based after Great. a yeah right
1: <laughs> it's it's, well, it's let's just enormous, stand right next to the dark one it's it's like a thirteen foot tall
2: stone weighs you know several tons and uh it's the the dark one in celtic mythology was a uh was a figure that allegedly brought uh brought grain to the celtic people so oh, okay. it, it sort of fills that sort of promethean sort of role um yeah it's a, it's a lot it's a lot less more benign than what i originally thought okay the dark one um and he says if you touch your if you close your eyes and touch your forehead to this some people sort of feel charged and or energized by this sort of By doing that. Right. And you know, I'm, 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 I don't, don't get me wrong. Like I, 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 I do want to believe um, in these things, but at the same time I have enough of a skeptical bent that I, I, I'm going to self filter and self and overanalyze something. Right.
1: Exactly. I do exactly the same thing probably to my detriment, but also it's just kind of like, look, I don't want to go off, you know, half cocked about something that everybody else is going, what, what, I, I feel nothing. I don't know what's going on here. So, But so, if I truly right, have something happen, I'm going to say something. Go ahead.
2: I did what he said. Um, I went over there, put my forehead to it, nothing happened. And I said, let me just try to clear my mind and do it for a little bit longer. And I had the distinct sensation um, after doing it for a little bit longer with my eyes closed, my forehead pressed um, against this rock. It's almost like the spot on my forehead became... Slippery, hmm. and um, I got the sensation of it was almost like falling forward into into the rock, and of course, and like uh, I was talking to Tim about this, and and Tim said sort of like you know with that falling sensation when you as you go to sleep sometimes it was almost like that, but you know forward into the rock. And it was so striking that I ended up pushing myself away, and it was very, quite, very, quite odd. Did you um, try
1: it with another rock somewhere else uh, to, to just to see what would happen?
2: No. No.
1: Oh, dear. Yeah,
3: have.
1: yeah I well, have. I don't think of that stuff either. I mean, we had this thing when I was with Paul doing the ghost hunt, and he said, look, the um, thing is maybe talking to Mac Tonys. I said, well, turn it off. Turn off the device and turn it back on and see if it does the same thing. And he did, and um, it did. Nice. So just that yeah, kind of I, stuff. I you don't often is. think it's like, what do I, what do I do for a control here? You're just kind of like, well, that was interesting because you got to move on to the next thing. You're not there doing scientific research.
2: Well, right, you know, and, and you know, it's it, things are, you know, love her though I do and supportive though she is. These things tend to uh, get overlooked a bit when you have a wife along for the trip as well, Yeah. You know, who you know, again, is supportive and is you know, is. is
1: oh boy, is do I know this name. story?
2: Yeah. Um, so.
1: Uh, no I'm, that's not a not a sarcastic unhappy thing it's, no, it's uh, not it, at it's, all. it's
2: just it's, it's a reality thing mm-hmm. and sometimes and sometimes i'm thankful for that grounding influence but, exactly uh, yeah um I did come back later that night so we we did a lot of we did a little mini 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 revisiting of the sites we'd seen earlier in the day we saw them we went back and saw them at night um and uh I uh did the exact same thing, and the exact same thing happened to me, and the exact same thing I pushed myself away <sighs> so mm. you know yeah i i i should have I should have been a little bit more clinical about it,
3: but
1: you kind of can't when you're in that situation. i mean you really didn't even have to give, a, give an explanation. Go rightly wants to know what did he say i'm curious as to the typical description of a fairy, what do they look like?
2: Well, um, you know, it's it's often said that the main uh, themes that the main themes that you see in all fairy lore are a propensity for stealing children, for living underground, and being short. Um, having said that, I, mm-hmm. I try not to emphasize the, I try not to emphasize the short uh, the short data point too much because. If you really look at what sort of fairy lore is, um, it encompasses a pretty broad spectrum of different entities, things that we wouldn't even consider fairies nowadays, like sirens, mermaids, giants, ogres, trolls, um, all these sort of things really do fall underneath that sort of fairy folk umbrella. If you look at, you know, the the popular description tends to be um, diminutive beings, yes, shorter, um uh generally clothed in uh in modern sightings old timey clothing and you know in, in, in uh, older sighting, contemporary clothing um and and it's interesting because you 'll see that it, it it's their 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 attire even is very specific to the entity that 's described so I've m- i mentioned this sort of elaborate taxonomy because even amongst the smaller fairies you had Boggerts and Brownies and Pixies, and these are all region-specific, but they also, you know, sometimes you'd you'd find multiple races sort of within the same area. Um, Some were specifically named for their clothing. There there was a certain race of fairies called the Red Caps who were seen because they had red caps. Um, Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, if you saw a fairy clad in red, it would be a a harbinger of a a child's death. Um, In terms of how they looked, their faces, uh, generally described as wizened, uh wrinkly um I, I know one witness uh specifically mentioned that uh it, it, the the face of the fairy that he saw uh reminded him of uh, sort of the way that preserved bodies that are found in peat bogs i don't know if you've ever seen one of those pictures but he yeah, said it yeah. Sort of had they that look sort like of, they're
1: made out of bronze or whatever yeah
2: that sort of complexion and this whole idea um, ties in, you know, this idea of the, the swarthy fairy ties into one of the supposed reasons that they would abduct children is because they actually sought out um, sort of fair-haired, beautiful children to sort of, you know, uh, give their their bloodline a proverbial shot in the arm. Um, Where have we heard
1: that before? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah exactly, exactly. Um so I mean that's that's sort of a, that's sort of a broad stroke uh, descriptor but you know you find some of these these descriptions and they sound like things out of out of grimoires I mean there was one fairy I believe it was called the Kilmoulis, but I might be re- remembering incorrectly. But anyway, there's that one fairy that had no mouth, but only a giant set of nostrils through which it snuffed up its food. Um, <laughs> sometimes sometimes you'd find fairies that consumed food through holes in their heads or holes in their backs. Sometimes you'd find fairies that were basically like a pair of legs with an eyeball on it, like almost sort of like the – or, you know, it also reminds you of the Japanese yokai, which I think in a lot of examples you could claim are sort of expressive of this sort of fairy idea. Ah. Um,
1: so, Don't even know about those. Uh, the, the yokai? Yeah. I, I'll, I'll,
2: um, I thought yokai would be right up your alley. Um, there, I guess so it should Japanese- be,
1: but it's not. Please, pl- Please elaborate. Well, I mean, so, so the idea of—I mean, it's—it's it's
2: kind of like this is probably a gross reduction and probably not entirely true, but like the idea of Pokémon are, are are loosely based, from what I can tell, on Japanese yokai, which are tend to be like households. Oh, household
1: okay, spirits okay. Or really,
2: Yeah, are you know really varied odd spirits? Like like one's like a like one yokai is like a giant invisible wall that talks to you, or one is like you know the leg of a horse hanging off of a tree and like one is like an umbrella or, or a pair of shoes and sort of, sort of a, a ways of explaining, um, the odd outliers of everyday life. And, uh,
1: yes, exactly. what actually sort of to getting back to go rightly's question, it sounds, and just like you would expect, these things are quite culturally bound.
2: Yeah. A hundred percent.
1: Like the other thing I think of is the, what the elush or whatever they're from, from the Yucatan peninsula. Yeah, same, same thing. Kind same kind of thing. thing, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, so if and a, a good chunk of my research in the next book goes into um, taking a look at paranormal child abduction from cultures all around the world. So, I mean, you have certain, you have the Pomericotwethe of uh, aboriginal lore, which are, again, these short beings that inhabit some sort of other realm and are only seen by children or by pets. And they, to adults, they appear as sort of shadows just moving out of the corner of their eyes. Um, hmm. You have the Jamaican duppy lore, which is basically a, a transplant of the uh, of the English uh, folklore. You have the Yasi Yetere of Argentina. You have duendes in uh, in uh, certain South American countries. You have Chineques in Mexico. Um, Africa has a couple of different... Uh, a couple of different fairy folk, including, you know, uh, what can be argued as a variation on changeling tradition, uh, the Middle Eastern jinn share a lot of things in common with, uh, with, with the fairy folk. I mean, there's, right. there's, there's explicit changeling. There are explicit, there are tales that you will read of jinn changelings that sound like they came from Ireland. Like everything about it is just spot on, almost exactly the same. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, so it, it, it really does seem the, the thing that, because I see where you're going with the cultural speci- speci- specificity.
1: Yeah, thing, well, of I, course I'm going to do that.
2: No, no, no. And I, I, I'm 100% on board. The thing that makes me, it gives me a little bit of a pause is why are there these recurring motifs of short stature, of abduction, abducting children, of living underground? It seemed that, that to me implies that those are the obje- objective um components of whatever this phenomena is doing that there's something oh, no, no, no.
1: I I I would say that the, the 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 particulars are different but the the basic things seem to be the same because we're human and we see things basically in the same way on a basic level spatially yeah, and I, all that
2: I, Yeah I guess that's what I was getting at is like what does it mean that these basic things are the same like it's 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 interesting
1: Right um, right exactly why are there pyramids everywhere why are there you know uh, what what is the you know the connecting link? What is the nexus of all these things? Yeah. Um, besides I mean, the human mind, I mean, what what about the human mind makes us see, makes the makes these things appear to take children, or is there an objective reality to taking the children and all that? And I'm I'm sure you address that in in this book and the next one.
2: Yeah, it was it was a uh, it was tr- trying trying to find some sort of means to at least give some sort of passing possible explanation for that it was a little bit of a a little bit of a a brain teaser, but, uh, to, to dwell on, 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 on point a little bit more too. Um, I think we, there's there's other
1: questions from the audience as well, but please go ahead.
2: Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll be quick with this last thought. There is this weird, I think we underappreciate how much, um, uh, fairy lore is represented in, in Sasquatch, uh, Tales. I mean, if you look at there – are, there, are, there are British Isles analogs for large, hairy fairies that sound exactly like Sasquatch stories. And <laughs> something, that, something that I found really interesting is that there is a type of solitary fairy in the Scottish Highlands known as the gilly-doo um, that generally leaves everybody alone. Um, but it's often large and shaggy and covered in, in detritus. And this is where we get the term gilly-suits from. So the, the suits that snipers wear that obscure their form are, are named after the gilly-doo. This this type of Scottish fairy and the connection between the gilly Doo and and depictions of Sasquatch is not lost on Australian special forces who call their gilly Doo suits. Yowie suits. (laughs) So and you look at like one of the things that you'll find in fairy lore throughout the world is this idea that fairies will become bored and braid the manes of horses. And guess what? People accuse Sasquatch of doing. Oh my! Horses' manes are braided. That's that's Bigfoot behavior. I hear this all the time. Um, so uh, I, I think that I mean again. I don't think that Sasquatch is a fairy, but I think that there is a, an explicative power in viewing it through these worldwide traditions of the of 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 their efforts to describe the other.
1: Right. Yeah. Because it, as we're talking about earlier. Um... And I'm thinking while you're talking is uh well actually I said it your 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 language um your language and the way you think about things are the lens through which these weird things happen um or yes. are described or maybe become reality so the language and the and the iconography and the and the culture traps us but um so who knows what's behind that our description of whatever it is. But yeah, as you look into it, you find that you know there's some similarities all over the world. So, what, what's your idea? I will get to the listener question, but what's your idea about an objective reality to it? Is it you just really can't say, or
2: um, I mean, I
1: or whatever is not an objective reality, uh, but whatever is behind the perception.
2: Well, this is so. Is, this is my uh, this is my question from Paramania 2016, right? Gun to the head. What what's going on? Yeah. Um, you know I. If I said if I said that there is a strong spiritual component, people are going to you know people knowing that I'm a Christian are probably going to say or are going to make an assumption that I'm lumping it into this narrow Judeo Christian good evil di- dichotomy, um, which is not what I mean at all. Um, I think that there is plenty of room for free agents, so to speak. I, I tend <laughs> to take a more sort of almost goetic view of there being. Um, there being sort of a spirit ecosystem or what we would, for lack of a better term, call a spirit ecosystem um, uh, at play in the world around us. Um, I am not, I mean, who knows? That might mean something that's interdimensional. I don't know. Um, But...
1: here uh, we are with language again. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Um, And so that's that's sort of where I am right now. Um, I'm big into the idea of, uh, of psychopomps. Which I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but
1: yeah. Um, well, please. Okay, yeah,
2: uh, okay. Um, so, yeah, so it's the idea that these are intercessor spirits that, if 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 a shaman, if a shaman, intercesses in the spirit world on the behalf of the human world, then you could almost say the reverse function is is inhabited by psychopomps. They are spirit world inhabitants that intercess in the human world often at points of transition, especially. Um, points of death again, not unlike the shaman um, that sort of act act in our world on the behalf of what is known as the spirit world so and again if you look at, at sort of what psychopomps tend to be, like these are a lot of the same sort of sightings of animals that we see um around or uh not around but associated with with uh you know the, the alien phenomena i mean like the, the the fact that the owl is a psychopompic figure in so many. Uh, in so many different cultures, especially certain Native American cultures, right, um, and that the owl is so commonly seen in alien abductions, I think has some has some real worth to it. Legs, yeah, it's got legs. Um, so that's that's <laughs> sort of where I am. Um, you know, I, I I I have warmed up actually to as as anti-ETH as I have been. Um, I have definitely warmed up to the notion that. Uh, it is possible, perhaps even likely, that there has been a – there has been a, a – some sort of form of visitation by extraterrestrials in the past. But I do not think it represents sort of an ongoing uh, phenomena. Or or if it does represent an ongoing phenomena, it's it's much rarer. And much more sporadic than than we would be led to believe by people who are hardcore ETH sort of people.
1: Yeah, well, I I think I've made this point before. I, I say anti ETH, and it's in the it's in the Buddhist tradition of you will say something that goes completely in the other direction in order to correct the mis the mistaken concept that it's all the one thing. It's not because I don't think it's that one thing. It's just to de-emphasize it. So when oh, right. I say anti-ETH, it just means I'm trying to de-emphasize it for myself. And it's not like, you people are wrong, and you're on the wrong track, and you're stupid. No, it has nothing to do with that. It has more, more much more to do with, let's look at other avenues here, while not throwing everything else, that in the trash. Look at other stuff and see how it's, it works with it, or is different from it, or whatever that That's my idea, and I know you're on board with that too, because that's your you know that's what we've been talking about for the last hour and a half
2: oh yeah and i i I'm very much of the idea that part of what we're seeing in the skies, especially when there's not some sort of associated abduction experience, is probably unorthodox aircraft is probably uh undisclosed or undiscovered uh natural phenomena and is is you know it might be might might be you know might be partially a representation of this uh you know cultural poltergeist thing that you know eric drum that eric wallet is beating um mm-hmm. I, I think that i think there's a spectrum of of possible answers or even likely answers but i i do at the same time think that if you're looking at something like specifically the obju- uh, the the uh the uh abduction phenomena that uh that doesn't that doesn't scratch my itch like it, i think it should to, to be able to prop up that particular right. theory with you know in good conscience
1: mm-hmm. uh listener question jeff jeff asked i thought fairy women were women were usually were unusually attractive yes As part um, part of the uh part of the the lore at least in um in western europe
2: yeah. Um, no, no, they are. And, and you'll find, uh, that's another compelling thing that you'll find is often the, the queen of the fairies It sort of goes back to, to Adam's question. The queen of the fairies was often taller than the other fairies and was often very beautiful and sort of was leading them. And you'll find that sort of same idea echoed in, you know, modern abduction lore where the tiny worker grays are supervised by a taller, you know, more lithe, pleasant. Yeah. Great. Um, but, uh, fair, I mean, like, there are certain, for example, elamades maids, um, in I believe it was Denmark, um, would wait for, would appear as normal women and wait by the side of the, uh, by the side of roads to entice knights on their way home with a drink of wine. And after drinking wine, these knights would basically pine away for fairyland to the extent that they, uh, uh they either went mad or, 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 um, or killed themselves. And, you know, also, to that you know sort of uh building off of that idea it's it's not at all uncommon to find uh human fairy hybrids in the literature um, uh, right because oh yeah, uh, yeah. But, but almost exclusively female fairies luring male fairies, I mean that is not not say that you don't find the inverse because I can think of a couple of different cases you mean male Jews, humans yes ma- male humans being enticed by female fairies, yeah, yeah. um. um again not that you don't see the inverse but uh but it seems that seems to be a more common modality of uh of male father uh uh male father mortal father fairy mother um and uh like the fairies themselves you know these children were generally considered to be intelligent um very 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 handsome very intelligent very gifted with the arts such as music um, but also sort of impetuous and uh and hotheaded
3: yeah,
1: well, it's a it's a, g- a good way to categorize and maybe even sometimes to um, marginalize somebody like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, Go Rightly said not being a smartass here, but there are are there accounts of fairies wearing boots. I'm not exactly sure what he's getting at there. Are <laughs> you? A, yeah, it's a Black Sabbath. <laughs> oh, a Black oh, okay, Sabbath. okay, yeah, of course, because because uh, J- Jeff said you got to believe Aussie man.
2: And uh, not, all, not only are there well, I mean, yeah, so so first of all, golf clap for that adam um (laughs) but uh very um, good mr bond
3: yeah yeah, (laughs) exactly uh
2: there is um not only are there examples of fairies wearing boots but uh this is sort of a, a little outlier that i find fascinating and i don't know what to do with are the idea of fairy artifacts which are actually not at all unheard of i mean you'll find if did you if, see any there in Ireland? No, I didn't see any. No, I, I, and I, I probably, I probably, I might have if I'd gone to you know, probably one up gums, above but... a like
1: a, a hearth in uh, in a pub somewhere. <laughs> yeah, actually, there probably is. Uh, I didn't ah, don't I, touch that. That's the fairy boot. Yeah,
2: I didn't make it to the Ireland uh, historical Mu- the Ireland Ireland historical Mu- historical museum in Dublin either, which I really wish I had gotten if I'd you know come back around to, but uh, maybe next time but you will find like records and and these you can still if you're if you want to spend the time you can still track down fairy flags um fairy uh vests um, there have been supposedly fairy skeletons that have been on earth although I'm not sure if there's any any sort of like you know DNA or sort of scientific analysis of them but also you can find fairy boots which are extremely compelling for when they were found because they're often threaded with the tiniest little bits of um bits of uh of of, of uh, Gold and silver lace. thread.
1: <laughs> well, 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 yeah.
2: Um, so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, if you were, uh, I guess leather, leather,
1: S- uh, l- lace, or leather sinews, lace. or or um, yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: but the really interesting thing to me is that a lot of these, like especially in the case of the boots and the shoes, um, are made out of mouse skin. Which, if you are going to hoax a fairy boot, I can't imagine going to the trouble of. Of skinning and tanning a mouse, but,
1: <laughs> I guess you could.
2: Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, but uh, first yeah, thing so
1: I do, man, you know, yeah, it's just it's just still a tiny stretching
2: out the tiny little mouse skin on a tiny little rack to let it dry in the sun.
1: <laughs> Fine mouse leather
2: uh yeah so it's 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 the, and, and you know for somebody like me who doesn't believe that there is um or who doesn't attribute uh to the idea or doesn't really believe that there is necessarily an objective reality of of uh of you know what these things because i do i think that, that there are literally little people running around i don't but at the same time i have to you know the, these these sort of artifacts really do confound me.
1: Yeah, well, you don't know where they come from. You ha- you have no idea. And, you know, whatever. It's like saying this is um what. I'm trying to think of an equivalent uh, in the in the abduction lore or whatever. I I guess I wouldn't say the alien mummy. I wouldn't say the Atacama whatever or even the even the star child skull because well, it, it's I mean, inconclusive, but
2: implants maybe, you know. Implants or
1: Maybe, yeah. The, what what are they called? Um, uh, relics or holy objects or whatever. What are they called? A reliquary. Yeah, if you if you yeah. well, a reliquary is where you keep them. But yeah, oh, a, like a, right. a bone of a saint or whatever. Um, these are who knows if it's the actual bone of the saint, but the thing is, it's venerated as such, and in that way, it um, reinforces the the lore or the belief or whatever it is, and. It, um, I think there 's as much value to that as there is to the skeptical side of that 's just a you know a bone or whatever um, I said it
2: better than I could
1: yeah uh, did Jim Boyd tell you his um, fairy sighting story
2: uh no he didn't you know? I I, I was I, I, I was just got to have
1: him on. I think I just got to have him on the show.
2: I w- I would I would eat that up. I would eat that up so much. Um, you know, I, I was in a lot of places that supposedly did have fairy lights associated with them. Um, supposedly, you know, uh, at uh, Brennaboyne, mm-hmm. you know, Nalth, that that the burial mound site. It's very common to see fairy lights around them um been bold but it's very common to see you know or it's not common but it's it's not unheard of to see fairy lights racing to the top of this you know giant mountain um but uh, i never really had a chance to talk to uh had a chance to talk to to jim about that
1: yeah well maybe i'll just have him on the show to talk about it because you know he told me the show the story 17 years ago for christ's sake
2: Oh yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that
1: It was uh, basically uh, about were. seeing a hillside covered with lights going up and down and they weren't fireflies and they weren't you know, I think it was a cold month and all this, so it's a fascinating story.
2: Oh man, I want to hear that. Um but uh you know, I mentioned Nouth and Bernaboyne, which is uh it's a site it's a burial site um on the east coast that is um holds a majority a majority of the of, of, of Western Europe's Uh, Neolithic artwork is at this one site, Um, Hmm. and uh, it's really fascinating for for a couple of reasons. I suppose the first reason, let's you know, talk about the artwork, is that the things that you'll see on these stones are you know spirals, triangles, chevrons, circles, zigzag patterns, and you know, really. (laughs) I remember the guide saying these are these are all images that are commonly reported in meditation or. Or the achievement of altered states by other means. <laughs> like, what are you talking about other means? Yes. Um, uh, oh, no, but, there's a uh,
1: whole body of literature about that, but go ahead.
2: Yeah, oh, no, no, to- totally, totally. And it just, it, it, But, again, it's something that I knew probably intellectually, but to, to see that and really make the connection, like, yeah, and they're all UFO shapes, too, you know? <laughs> it's, I think it's
1: interesting. Oh, yeah, um, well, there's tons of those, too. So, you know, what's that connection besides, oh, it's aliens from the Neolithic period? Well, right. Yeah. you know, go ahead. Well, what
2: well, and and uh and the other thing that really the thing that really drove it home for me because you know you hear about fairy forts and 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 whatnot, and you, you, they seem to be mystical places but they they are unambiguously 100% unambiguously man-made structures um generally neolithic or early christian structures and uh that i think that it is underappreciated how much of a connection there is between the fairy faith and the dead. I mean, you know, Adam's question about like what were the fairies? It, it, it becomes difficult after a certain point to differentiate the fairies from from the dead. And you will often find stories where people are taken to fairyland and they will see their deceased neighbors, or it's a deceased friend or loved one that tells them to not eat or drink the food while they're in fairyland. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at you know sort of the descriptions of some of these fairies. Um, you know it's often said that they were bloodless or that they uh that they had you know a sickly pallor or, you know that that idea of the wizened face and the like appearing as a bog person like they sort of have this sort of this sort of cast of appearing as the dead, so you know i part of me wonders if we're i mean as 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 silly as it kind of sounds, part of me wonders if we're not just dealing with like the world's most fleshed out and robust ghost phenomena um or at the very least you know this psychopomp idea that because it, it because it does seem like there are some some entities that are described that are so bizarre that they can't be shoved into the idea of you know of, of spooky ghosts. But the, the the thing that I I became wondering I I bring this up because you know now the Bruno Boyne site that I mentioned.
3: Oh, you're cutting out.
2: Is uh, an incredibly well. Oh, sorry. Hello. Hello. hello, hello.
1: You're there. Hello. You're go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. You cut out for like three seconds.
2: Oh, that's okay. Um you know, I, I mentioned this site, Bernaboyne, um, the uh, the sort of uh, Nouth site that has all this artwork is first and foremost a uh, a burial site. It's a burial mound. It's a, it's a it's a tomb. Um, and so, I mean, it brings up so many questions. Like, are there discrete psychopomps that are interacting with you know the deceased at these sites? Are you know these what we perceive as fairies actually ghosts? Um, were these sites that were picked out because they were at certain intersections where these sort of phenomena can manifest or is it because, or, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Was this a special site where this, this fort or this mound or this, uh, this, this, um, you know, this fairy, this fairy structure, old, whatever structure. Yeah. It, it was that picked out because it was special. It had some sort of ley line significance. It had some sort of, you know, uh, aspect to it where the veil was thin between our world and the other world or, have the years of, of 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 strife and the years of history sort of accumulated around these areas and caused it to become thin, or you know, it
1: yeah. just. It, I think sounds it, like it, what it, the crop circle people told me about making crop circles. They're making temporary temples.
2: That's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah, go ahead. I I, I I didn't recall. I don't I don't recall you ever saying that. I'm sure you have, but I just didn't.
1: Mm, I'm, I don't know if I have, but yeah, the, their idea was in 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 uh, in interrupting you here was that. They thought that they were making something just for the hell of it and an artistic thing. And they said people would have experiences there that they did not make up, that were shared by other people, that were objectively confirmed. But other people could see these things happening, like orbs of light or whatever. And they said, like, "We we just made the thing. So they created a sacred space or a liminal space by doing this. And when you when you said about you know just through the process of history and things happening that the things just attracted all this um, psychic energy or historical significance et cetera to them and that they became a nexus in that way.
3: Oh
2: yeah, so yeah, exa- yeah. Put it put it there than I could. <laughs>
1: um, no, no, uh, I didn't. Go ahead. Um, but I, uh, you know, I I think that there
2: is, and I think that the people who are really. I think the people who are really deep into fairy lore realize this, but to most people, you know, number one, they think Tinkerbell, but number two, that even if they can get to that second layer, they very rarely come to the realization that this is as tied to the death as, as I, as it's apparent as it is. And and it reminds me again of, you know, that, that famous line that Anne told Whitley, you know, Whitley, this has something to do with what we call death. And I think that, uh, Hmm. I think that there's... The most
1: liminal thing we could possibly, you know, encounter.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... um, And, uh, well, you know, coming back, I hope I'm not playing my card too much, but, like, you know, I think it's interesting... card. I think it's interesting that there's a correlation between children being taken by the fairies for seven years and a lot of abductions beginning at age seven, and age seven being the final year when children who have past live memories begin to lose their memories of their past lives. Ah. I think there's something there that sits at the center of this sort of Venn diagram that I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think but, you ought so, to draw that
1: Venn diagram and and put it on your um your website.
2: Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I mean, I yeah. It's not a bad idea. See what
1: people say.
2: Everybody would be real mad that there aren't Alpha Centurions. <laughs>
1: I'll ask one more question from a listener, Jeff. Again, he said, "I'd like to know what he thought was what Josh thinks is the most compelling modern fairy sighting story that he's heard."
2: It's hard in in, in terms of like, in terms of you know uh, being being well vetted, or in terms of being interesting. Um, there there is no shortage of of, of contemporary fairy sightings. Um, I think that. I'm stalling, can you tell
1: um <laughs> that's okay there was, we we still um, have to play some fairy music
2: <laughs> I, I like <laughs> let's all be fairies.
1: yes, i'm gonna play that's the only one i've got
2: nice nice i have some other I have some other fa- fairy suggestions too
1: please um, uh, but go ahead with your compelling uh well, modern sighting
2: I think that a lot i i'll just, i think that maybe I should say a lot of the compelling sightings that I see. Um, come from this sort of Labrador region in Canada um, that not only you see as documented in that lovely um, documentary that I always cite, you know, The Fairy Faith, which is available on YouTube that everyone, if they haven't seen it, needs to go see. Oh, you're
1: so, cutting out again. What um, was that? But also, you know, as I, oh,
2: I said that I said anybody who hasn't seen that needs to go see it now. Uh,
1: what um, was it? Because you... it's
2: great. Uh, you can find out uh, it's the it's the uh, documentary, the Fairy Faith, on YouTube, oh, okay. and a lot of the sightings, in that and a lot of the sightings there come from that from uh, the Newfoundland, uh, Newfoundland, Newfoundland, Canada.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I think that there's I think there's a lot of compelling cases that come out of there, and you know, sort of piggybacking off that, this book that I mentioned called, uh, the, the Good Folk. Um, uh, the, the this uh, Nervais gentleman who compiled the uh, the collection of essays, um, I believe, is a professor from that region and is really interested in the fairy f- folklore from that region. And some of those cases that he compiles um, are absolutely fascinating. I, I, I won't say I'll, I'll sort of settle. I'll sort of uh, I'll sort of. Um, a compromise in terms of what, what's the most the most compelling sighting by saying not a specific sighting but a specific area I think is really has a collection of really really compelling sightings
1: and now you cut out uh, again. verifiable but
2: also in terms of. Being- Damn it! What the hell is going on?
1: I don't know. Um, I don't know if maybe maybe Sigrid's downloading I'll, I'll, movies or something. I don't know. But uh, well, you were you were saying a, a specific geographic area, and then I didn't hear what you said after that.
2: Okay. Uh, well, uh, just a, a specific. I, I'll compromise in saying not a specific court a specific uh, case as being compelling, but as as cases from a specific area being very compelling. And I think that in terms of modern sightings, the sort of areas of Labrador and Newfoundland. Are uh, are are have some of the best modern cases that are coming out.
1: Oh, I I didn't realize that. I've been I've been to uh, Prince Edward Island, which is like one stop before Newfoundland. So it'd be interesting and uh, Labrador. Um, so it'd be interesting to go a little further next time and see what that uh, lore might be. And also, it might be a good idea for you to speak to that at um, one of the uh, East Coast Para conferences here, especially if you can get some more information on it.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to. I mean, it's 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 one of the most vibrant. I mean, not to shortchange Native American tradition, but right, right. which 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 has its own sort of realm of, of fairy stuff. But in terms of that, like the imported fairy fairy faith, it's one of the most vibrant locales. I mean, there was a bank crash um, and a uh, a fire in Newfoundland that were both attributed to the fairies because there were green postage stamps that were um, distributed. That they felt invoked the fairies' wrath because the fairies felt so protective of the color green. Um, so it, it, huh. it's 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 the, the fairy it's heavy in the culture. Are, yeah, I
1: mean it's 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 definitely alive and well there
2: even to this day in a way that you don't really I, I think see in a lot of other parts of North America.
1: Yeah. Also, it's I think it's a little bit more isolated and there's less people that are really connected into whatever the greater culture might be telling them to think or believe or watch or whatever the hell. You know, I might be speaking out of turn here because I, I heard a uh, interview with a guy that was uh, talking to people that lived in like Thunder Bay or something, or way the hell up in the Yukon, not the Yukon. I'm sorry, uh, what's that place right in the middle of Canada that goes up to almost the Arctic Circle? Anyway, he was speaking with um, Native Canadians or Inuit or something that lived there, and he said that he was talking to this old guy, and he said they all, all the kids, not even just kids, but everybody's running around looking at their phones there, in the uh. middle of nowhere basically probably because there 's nothing to do that 's one of the things, but the, the other thing is it's it's destroying the culture, so there 's not really any of that culture left because everybody 's all hooked into the internet and into their phones so I, I
2: honestly think to, to, to get all curmudgeonly, I honestly think that aspects not even of of uh, of the internet but aspects of like the smartphone uh obsession might represent an insurmountable challenge for Culture and humanity. Honestly, yeah, I um, would
1: agree with that. So that's, that's
2: a cheery way to end it.
1: <laughs> no, that's not. It's, that's not the cheery way to end it because we're going to end it with um I hope a song that I can find on YouTube that you want uh, uh, a fairy song, and then I'll. <laughs> you know what? If it's a if it's a better one, maybe I'll play the Let's Be Fairies first. It's... Oh,
2: I love I love the Let's All Be Fairies. Like. <laughs>
1: I don't even know where I found that. I've had it around for, I've had it probably for ten or twelve years.
2: You've you've heard the the laughing gnome, right? Yes. Okay. You you might have been the one that, to 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 point that in my direction.
1: Mm, I don't know if I have. Um, Wasn't that Bowie did that too? Yeah, it was an early Bowie with like this giant
2: bassoon solo.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, and then there's there's Pink Floyd's the
1: gnome. You've heard that, right? Mm, probably, but I don't remember it. What album was it on? Uh Piper at the Gates of Dawn or something? Yeah, Piper
2: Yeah, Piper at the Gates of Dawn, yeah. Oh,
1: okay. 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 So well, e- either one of those two?
2: Uh I mean, yeah, there's also if you if you want to get a little bit more oblique, um Always. The, well, I'm all about still,
1: oblique, man.
2: Well, this still is but this still isn't like, you know, this still isn't like deep cut weirdo music, but um I, I mean, so ob- oblique in terms of the fairy theme, um, the uh, song "Underground" from Bowie's soundtrack for *Labyrinth*. Uh, you know, *Labyrinth*, of course, is basically like probably in a lot of ways, and I have I have a blog post talking about this, but probably in a lot of ways, the most you know uh, fairy fairy faith faithful uh, film. Say so that ten times fast. Um, fairy faith faithful film uh to so have come out, but uh his song underground features uh you know well number one it 's about the underground
3: um right
2: and uh it 's a song about uh uh there 's a line in there that you know it's it, it's it 's only forever, not long ago well not long at all, which is a sort of a little missing time thing not yes think. um so that 's I think it's catchier than the other two tunes too. So, but I don't know if it's—I don't know if it's objectively. I mean, it's still a song that was made for Labyrinth. So, I don't know if it's objectively better than than the "Let's All Be Fairies" tune or not.
1: No, it's—you know what? We'll play both because one of is one of them is just absolutely silly and maybe a little bit. Uh, um, what's the word? No, you know On what? NPC? The thing I don't. Yeah, it might be NPC, but the thing is that um, since it's from like the 30s or something like that. I don't know how unPC it can be but anyway it's um it, it's exactly what you think when somebody says fairy well, but the go ahead well- it's you it know,
2: it's 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 on PC in that very sort of lighthearted Spike Jones way, not like a malicious
1: way. Oh no, I don't think it's malicious at all. Depend I get everything depends on your point of view. But anyway, so maybe <laughs> here, let's all be fairies first because it's a little silly by the durium dance band. No idea if that's a real Duran Duran? What? No, no, Durium. D U R I U M. <laughs> no, not the Duran Duran dance wait, band.
2: Like dur- durian, like the fruit? No.
1: <laughs> no, not that stuff. <laughs> Durium. maybe it's the Delirium dance band and I just typed it in wrong or wherever I got it from typed it in long, wrong. So probably we won't say anything in between because we've got, you know, uh, uh, enough time to play um, uh, Let's All Be Fairies and Underground uh, in sequence. So I guess I will say thank you so much for spending the time and answering questions that I hope the listeners didn't hear anywhere else and things we talked about. I hope I hope that's what happened. I, I certainly had fun talking to you about it i can't wait to see the book
2: thanks you know i'm I'm excited about it it's it's different than it's very different than the last two um because it doesn't have that sort of you know survey and analysis sort of format um it's more chronologically oriented but uh to 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 the matter at hand the uh the show tonight uh greg it's always an absolute pleasure um and uh i i would there are no there's no other way i'd rather have spent tonight let me put it that way
1: uh, me as well. Me too. I also. Uh, so, do you want to? Say, I will um, take you offline here and, and uh, start with "Let's All Be Fairies," and then we'll fade <laughs> it into uh, <laughs> "Underground" by David Bowie from the uh, from the Labyrinth soundtrack, which actually I haven't seen since it came out. I ought to see it again.
2: It's it's better. It's it's better and worse than
1: you remember. All our, you know what the main thing I remember about it is somebody closes the door in his big castle, and there's two little milk bottles out front, in front of the door, like these milk bottles that are like normal sized milk bottles, and the door is like you know a hundred feet high.
3: I
2: don't, I don't even know if I remember that myself. I was sitting
1: um, in the theater with my sister, and she said, "Look, milk bottles." And I was like, "What?" And then it cut away from it. You just see it for like half a second. So somebody has left milk bottles nice. in front of the in front of the fairy king's castle. You know.
3: <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs>
2: A little fairy offering there.
1: Yeah, an offering. Okay, thanks so much, Josh.
2: Oh, my pleasure, Greg. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Sure. Let's see if this... uh, Here we go.
2: Ah, it
0: works. Excellent. Once upon a time, there were two fairies. Now, there are a great many. Do you
3: believe...
0: And the stories that never grow old. There are fairies at the bottom of the garden. That's a tale we've all been told. Let's think of the childhood days. Then go back to our baby ways. And let's all be fairies. Tinkle, tinkle, crash, crash, crash. All dance around and go crazy. Waving a buttercup and daisy We'll go whimsy on On tiptoe we'll say dash dash Let all be fairies Tinkle Tinkle Crash 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 Ding dong ding dong Fairy bells are gaily ringing, Ding dong ding dong Every dog is gaily singing Dancing round the moon beams Da 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 here are fairy footsteps. Oops, here we are. Two great big burly who were engaged to appear in the ring. Said the slosher to the slogger, I won't hurt you if you don't hurt me, old thing. When we're in the ring tonight, there's a reason why we should fight. So next those need fair is Tinkle tinkle crash crash crash. Don't get annoyed if I shove you. You can't imagine how I fly. We'll punch Flimsy Flamsy, you go out when I say dash. Let's both be fairies, tinkle, tinkle, clash, clash, clash. Ding dong, ding dong, fairy bells are gaily ringing. Ding dong, ding dong, everybody's gaily singing, dancing round the moonbeams. da 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 hear our fairy footsteps, whoops, we are. <laughs> Whoops, here we are. You have just heard. Let's all be
3: No love. No love injection,
0: Life can't be easy. It's not always well. Don't tell me truth hurts, little girl. Cause it hurts like hell.
3: But I'm in the underground. Find someone true Down in the underground